0: Welcome to the Center for Grassland Studies podcast series. I'm your host, Margo McKendry, Program Coordinator for the Center. In today's episode, I'll be chatting with Dr. Elliot Dennis, Assistant Professor of Livestock Marketing and Risk Management in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. He'll be sharing more information about cattle markets, market risks, and strategies to minimize risk. Welcome to the program, Dr. Dennis.
1: Yep, Thanks for having me, Margo.
0: Now, as I understand it, cattle markets are doing fairly well at the moment. Can you tell us why that might be?
1: One of the reasons why we're seeing really strong retail demand is just because a lot of people are you know, coming out of quarantine and people are returning back to food service. And this pretty strong pull upwards uh, from the retail side, there are some issues in the packing plant side getting available labor. So there is a little bit of bottleneck. but. As those continue to work themselves out, kind of see a, a gradual pull for prices higher up on the, on the cattle market. Uh, another one of those driving forces is just this cattle inventory cyclical nature that we're in. And in 2019, we really peaked at inventories. And so as inventories start to go down, it starts to create upward price pressure. To give you an example, when we're talking today, uh, feeder cattle market's up uh, about $3 per hundredweight, um, really across the board.
0: Yes, that makes perfect sense and leads to my next question, actually. Are market prices likely to stay high over the next 6 to 12 months?
1: Yeah, so uh, one of the big things that's going to be happening uh, in the middle of July is going to be the superior livestock sale. Quite a few calf and yearly cattle are going to go through there, and that's really the first market indication of how prices are, are likely to do going forward. Those are going to be really sold all around the U.S., Iowa, Montana, Nebraska, South Dakota, et cetera, and so that will be our first really test of, you know, how the cash market's going to do. Uh, the futures market looks like it's pulling quite aggressively upwards, and so from from that standpoint, we can see that both the recent and the deferred contracts are are quite aggressively high. So to give you an example, uh, the September delivery on feeder cattle uh, of this year is at one sixty two per hundred weight. Uh, in January of 2022, when a lot of those winter cattle would come off feed is about 166 per 100 weight. And really all the way through the end of May 2022, the deferred contracts are relatively higher. Uh, what that would suggest is that there's a desire for feeder cattle to come to the market. And so as long as that trend continues, we should see feeder cattle prices at least stay elevated moving forward. But as with all situations, um, those are really driven by supply and demand and and can change really from week to week.
0: And what are the risks associated with the markets in that same time period?
1: So our biggest factor that we're facing this year in 2021 is going to be drought. And that's going to be our primary concern. The second one is going to be packing plant issues. Uh, Drought would be a concern, particularly on the future cattle market. Uh, Let's say we're a Nebraska cow-calf producer. If drought regions start to become severely affected, producers are most likely to start liquidating feeder cattle first before liquidating the cow herd. Um, And so as those feeder cattle go to market in those drought affected areas, that's going to lower feeder cattle prices in those areas, making it relatively cheaper for feedlots to purchase cattle. What that ends up meaning is that it tends to put downward pressure on feeder cattle prices locally. And so that's something that we, we have to watch is Particularly this year is how many feeder cattle are going to be going to market in those areas, and the second is going to be the packing plant issues. As I mentioned earlier, we have strong retail demand both domestic and internationally. While that's fine and good, uh, we need to be able to process those animals. Any disruptions on that is going to cause some downward pressure on both the live cattle and the feeder cattle price, and so that's something to consider. As if there are continue issues or if there If those are resolved, that has implications for the price direction of the feeder cattle market.
0: Okay, thank you. Now, what tools or strategies could um, a livestock producer use to minimize risk?
1: Yeah, so there's really, we consider four main uh, strategies to minimize risk. and, And the tool that we use really depends on what we expect about the price outlook, with the expected price, expected basis, and what we call volatility or how likely that price is to move up and down. So the first is really just a forward contract. That would be simple as selling the cattle on on the video auction. What that does is essentially guarantees a price. And that's fine. Um, It locks in the price for a future delivery subject to a price weight slide. So that's the first form of a you know typical risk management that that we would consider. The second would be going into the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and actually trading a formalized uh, futures contract. And that can really be done two different ways. You can actually go in and since we're, we own the physical commodity, we go into the futures market to sell a contract. What we're basically meaning is that we want to deliver cattle at some future point. On the other end, there's a person who wants to receive delivery of those cattle. And so they actually purchase that contract. And we, uh, the only thing we have to negotiate is, is on price. If we buy or sell a futures contract, We essentially guarantee a price subject to basis risk. And so what that means is if the feeder cattle market is trading at 162 and we're selling uh, six, seven weights and let's say expected basis is 20, then we get what we expect the expected cash price would be, which would be 182. So that gives us an idea of what we can expect for cash price. If basis is weaker than we expect, then that expected cash price would go down. If it's stronger than we predicted, then that expected cash price would would be higher than than we originally predicted. The second would be uh, so a difficulty with a futures contractor. One of the reasons why producers don't like them is it essentially locks in the price. And while that prevents downside movement in, in the price, it doesn't allow us to benefit off market rallies or price movements up in the market. And so the other alternative is to do what we call a put option And essentially what that does is it allows us to benefit from market movements upward, but still eliminates the downside risk for us. Those tend to be a little bit more expensive depending upon the type of uh, put that you buy, but that would allow us to at least still achieve our pricing objectives of locking in a minimum price and benefit from upward price movements. Uh, The fourth option is the Livestock Risk Protection Program. That's formally known as LRP. And essentially what that does, it works the same way as a put option would. It uh, locks in a guaranteed price, but allows us to benefit from price movements upward. The difference there would be between a put option that we'd go and buy at, uh, let's say, the CME and the one through USDA RMA is that it's subsidized. The Government actually pays a portion of the premium. And those premiums really range from 30% to 55%. What I've, some of the work that I've done has really shown that if we're wanting catastrophe insurance, uh, which is we really just want to lock in a bare minimum price, uh, LRP is probably the best way to go. And it really allows us to insure pounds of production. So for a smaller operation, that can also be a benefit, whereas we might not really want to buy an entire contract through CME. So just in review, we have really four contracts. Futures contracts through CME, option contracts through CME, or put option contracts through the USDA RMA. And all of those, the primary objective is to protect output price. So feeder cattle output price. And what that allows us to do is it really allows us to try to lock in what we expect revenue to be for our operation. And the reason why that's important is because if we can lock in revenue, we have a better idea of how to control costs you know, when we're talking about decisions such as, should I feed more hay? Should I keep them a little bit longer? If we kind of already know what we're going to get for price, we can better make those value-added decisions.
0: So a lot of different options and decisions that producers really need to be on top of in order to um, do what's right in their operation. So thank you. What are the best sources of information on managing price risks for livestock producers?
1: Yeah, so I would probably recommend a couple of things. First, the Center for Ag Profitability, or CAP, is where I put a lot of my stuff out there. And I give both quarterly updates on kind of where risk management is going for producers. Also provide some information on basis. We have a couple of apps that producers can use, web-based apps that uh, they can check where basis is going, uh, what cash price has been doing historically. Um, And so it's really understanding kind of that information. And the second is just being up to date on what's happening in the markets. And that's not something that uh, any one person can really give you. We have market outlook talks and different ag media commentary. And really what those types of commentary are trying to provide is how is this year different than a, a typical year? And that helps us to understand the tools we should be using and what we can expect for prices. An example would be if if the market outlook is, yeah, we're pretty sure prices are going to be going up, and it looks like they're going to be steady to higher. Well, there's no really need to use a risk management tool. We're best to just stay in the cash market. But if all of a sudden, as we're going through the production year, and that information starts to say, actually, we think prices, we're pretty sure prices are actually going to go lower, and but we think the local market's going to be a little bit stronger than the U.S. market on average. We know what tool to use. We're going to use futures. Understanding where we're at, what the market does historically, year over year, through season like through seasonal patterns, and then overlaying that with current ag media outlook presentations to really understand what tool we should use. And the analogy I like using is if we're building a shed and we need to cut a piece of wood, we don't grab our hammer. You know, we grab a we grab a saw because that's the tool that's appropriate for that situation. Same thing could be for risk management. When we have a situation, we need to use the appropriate tool.
0: Do you have a website for where you're uploading some of this information that you've mentioned?
1: Yeah, so it's at cap.unl.edu. So cap.unl.edu.
0: Perfect. Now, relative to price risk, are livestock producers in Nebraska situated any differently than producers in other parts of the United States?
1: No. So what we generally say is that everyone is subject to price risk. It's just what are the factors that are going to impact the volatility or the price level in the market. So in Nebraska, we're actually pretty fortunate given that we have a lot of grass, we have a lot of corn, we have a lot of co-products. And so that makes it such that, you know, the feeder cattle market is. I don't want to say less volatile, but we're more certain about what price is going to be. If we're in a, in a location where there's very few feeder cattle and the market is highly seasonal, then that marketing decision is going to be much more difficult just because uh, if there's not very many buyers at the, at the sale that week, well, we're going to be pretty adversely affected. So I think just the what we'd call liquidity, a lot of feeder cattle that go through the markets every week uh, really gives us a better picture of where we're at Nebraska relative to other locations.
0: Now, is there anything else you'd like to add before we get ready to close out here?
1: No, I just say, uh, if you just keep in touch with the cap.unl.edu, we, uh, myself and a couple other ag economists are going around the state and we're putting on little workshops where people can uh, bring their operations and we can work out risk management plans with them. And this is kind of a two-step process where we kind of teach you about the tools and then we come back and then we talk about how those tools were or were not implemented and what questions you have and really kind of view it as a uh, small group consulting uh, for operations. And So if you're interested in that, you can reach out to myself or, or Jay Parsons, who's also going to be doing that at through the cap.unl.edu website.
0: Great. I hope some of our listeners will um, actually reach out to you so they can uh, take advantage of what you and Dr. Parsons have to offer there. So thank you again um, for joining me today, Dr. Dennis. I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Mario.
0: Dr. Dennis will be speaking more about this topic when he makes a presentation entitled, Cattle Markets Are on Fire, What Price Risk Should We Be Managing For?, As part of the Nebraska Greasing Conference, taking place August 9 through 11. To learn more about the conference, go to grassland.unl.edu. Thank you for listening.